0: Give that hand clap to the Lord. Magnify Jesus. Come on, somebody praise him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, come on, somebody lift your voice with a shout. Give him praise. Give him praise. Give him praise. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Isn't it wonderful to be in God's house one more time and to feel the presence of the Lord? know where I would be without God's presence and without his power. And I'm just thankful to be here. Uh, Psalms chapter 56, Psalms chapter 56. And uh, while you're turning there, I do want to say how much of an honor it has been to uh, preach revival here at such a wonderful, solid apostolic church that in my opinion is one of the best in the country. I am honored to be a part of the Bakersfield story, and I love you and appreciate you very much, and I'm going to be praying for you, I hope you'll pray for me, uh, and we'll do this together, and I, I too, enjoy arguing, really, we, we had a good argument today, and uh, it was fun. I'll be honest with you, sometimes I agree with him, and I just argue to argue. I think he caught on to that, though, he. Hey, man. Somebody's got to play devil's advocate, so might as well be me. But I, I, have, I have enjoyed the time I've got to spend with the Bradford family and uh, enjoy their, their fellowship, their friendship. And I will tell you tonight, this is not the end of revival. This is just to be continued. I've got three people believe what I just said. This is to be continued. Hallelujah. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. From the day that this this revival was started, it didn't start in Bakersfield. I, I mean, it would have been cool if it did, but it didn't. It started in Jerusalem. And uh, we've been going for a long time since, and I don't feel like quitting now. As a matter of fact, I think it's time we have more revival than we've ever had before. Amen. Amen. So, I, indeed, I can be honored tonight, Pastor Bradford. I love you. Appreciate you. Bishop's home. And I'm glad you can finally come to church. <laughs> Amen. I love this man. I've got to spend a good amount of time with him. He has imparted wisdom to me and told me things that I will never forget as long as I live. And so I appreciate him tonight so much, so, so very much. Amen. Psalms chapter 56, I, you're not going to be able to see it on the screen because uh, we're not really going to talk much in the beginning about what the text actually says. But uh, David titles this psalm, and I want to preach from the title that David titled it. And so if you have your Bible, you can look above Psalms chapter 56, and it should read to the chief musician upon the Jonath Elam, Rokokom. Look at somebody and say, what is that? We're going to talk about it. Say, well, how are we going to talk about it? I can barely pronounce it. Yeah, me either, but we're going to get through this one way or another. That the chief musician upon the Jonath Elamor the Mishdom of David, when the Philistines took him in Gath. It begins, Be merciful unto me, O God, for man would swallow me up. He said, He fighting daily oppresseth me. Mine enemies would daily swallow me up. He said, You know what? It's every day. For they be many. Ooh, somebody feels that right now. There be many that fight against me, O Most High. But then he says this, What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Again, this is a psalm David writes while he is in Gath, and he takes the time to do as most songwriters would do, and he writes this psalm upon an old tune, the Jonah Elam Rakokum, which translated is A Dumb Dove in a Distant Land. That's what I want to title this tonight. I figure I can't title it any better than than David titled it, so we're just going to title it what David did, A Dumb Dove in a Distant Land. Let's pray together. God, we love you. We praise you. We give you glory. give you honor. give you thanks. There's nobody like you, Jesus, not in heaven, not in the earth. We're praying, God, right now that you would have your way in this house from the front to the back and side to side, God, let there be an apostolic anointing and power that flows through this house. Saturate us in the presence of the Lord. Saturate us in the bond-breaking power of the anointing of God. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Would you clap your hands unto the Lord one more time? Oh, come on and praise him. Don't just clap your hands, but lift your voice with it. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph, with a voice of praise. Hallelujah. Oh, come on, somebody ought to shout at the top of your lungs right now. Somebody ought to give God praise like you haven't done all year yet. Come on, give him a high praise. Give him a high shout. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord most high. Amen. You may be seated as long as you promise to help me preach tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. David is clearly the author here. And again, it is evident because he writes it in the title of the psalm. He lets us know that he is imprisoned in Gath. This setting is where he picks up the pen. David has been fleeing from Saul, the king of Israel, who, by the way, in my opinion, should be parading him around the city for his heroic actions. He should be applauding him. He should be appreciating him, but rather... He is jealous of him, and because he is jealous of him, David has had to run from his own country. Now David is in Gath, and the king of Gath, Achish, has put David in prison, and he is under the pressure from his advisors to have David put to death. After all, this is the man that killed their champion, Goliath. After all, this is the one that they sang their songs, David has slain his thousands, or Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. This is the guy that has disrupted the Philistine army so many times, and we finally have him with nowhere to go. And so they capture him, and they put him in prison, and they make sure he has nowhere to turn. And it is here that David begins to pick up the pen. Let me just park right here for a second and tell you that you can either gripe and complain about what you're going through or you can realize that the reason you're going through what you're going through is because hell's been hearing about the victory you've been having. That's the only reason he's here. It's not because somebody's got it out for David. It's because his enemy has heard how much victory he's had. And let me just tell you about the devil. Anytime he's hearing that you're having victory, he will try to isolate you and keep you from getting to the place where you can worship and magnify the name of the Lord. I'm going to tell you something. You're not not really having church if you're not having the kind of church that the devil's hearing about. You're not really having victory if you're not making the devil mad. If the devil Mad at you, you ought to give God praise. If He's fighting you on every side, you ought to stand up and clap your hands because you know you're doing something right. I, I know I've been tearing Hell's kingdom up, and guess what, devil? We're going to keep on doing what we've been doing. We've been praying, we've been fasting, we've been shouting, and we're not going to stop now. Hallelujah. Picture David in this city. He is downtrodden. He is depressed because this is a moment that, quite frankly, he could lose his life. And David, we picture him, and if you can just allow me to walk through the Sunday school story for a moment, sitting on a cot over in the corner. And he looks out the window, bars on the window, and he sees if history serves us correctly the Philistine hub with approximately 10,000 soldiers here at a time. David looks out and he can hear them rejoicing. He can hear them singing and talking about stoning him. And I, I don't know, maybe they started talking about the men that, that David killed by name. You know my brother Freddie. he took him out. David sits back down on the cot and thinks what in the world am I going to do? I, I I don't know what you would do in that position, but Evidently, I, I, I'm just going to tell you, I'd be, I'd be nervous. They're talking about stoning him. They're talking about slaying him. They're talking about taking him out. And so David does what David does best. David sets down and finds a piece of chalk and a piece of rock, and he begins to write. He says Psalm of David. Mistum of David rather is the word that he used and it, it literally means to cut or engrave. It's the thought that partakes the nature of Job's cry. Oh that my words were written with an iron pen engraven in rock forever. David is, is saying this is so important that I want everybody that ever reads this or hears this song to remember it for every day that they live. And David begins to write this song now upon the Jonah Elam Rococum or the Dumb dove in a distant lamp. Brother Bradford, I'll be honest with you, I don't know that I've ever read so much as reading to put this message together because it was approximately a little over two years that I looked to kind of find out what this. Jonath Elam Rokokum was. And and all I could simply find at first was the fact that the Jonath Elam Rokokum was attuned to a very familiar song. And some said in that culture, it would be as to our culture, songs like Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. That the very moment you begin to sing the song, everyone. That heard the song would know what song you're beginning to sing and so I went on a quest to find out what was the song about it was a song that everybody knew obviously and so I had to find out what it was like what the song was about and one day I was in a bookstore and found a, a book, oh, it was literally called the book of ancient Hebrew songs and in, in this book I was able to find the song, the Jonah Elam Rakokum, the song uh, when we began to read or sing in verse 1, it is about this, this dove that is lost and, and it gets captured by a fowler it is then put into a cage and taken to the market and then it is sitting on the market table, thus the title, a dumb dove, in a Distant land. It is talking, and here David is paralleling his life to this dove as he begins to sing this song. Oh, God, have mercy. Be merciful, for men would swallow me up. And he, he's talking about being in captivity just like this dove. And so the song continues as this song, uh, it goes on. He, this dove tells in the Hebrew language, it tells of how because it is in bondage, it can no longer sing its song. It tells of how horrible captivity is. It tells of how bad It is to be a bird that was once free and is now in bondage, but them, the chorus begins, and it is in the chorus that we figure out that this is not a depressing song. This is not a song that turns uh, the lights down and makes you want to crawl, uh, lay down on the bed, and pull the covers over your head. That's not this kind of song. Because it's in the verse that you find, or this, uh, the chorus that you find that in this song, the, the Jonath Elam Rakokam, a dumb dove in a distant land. It It's here that we find that this dove is purchased. And rather than being taken home, we know it wasn't a redneck that bought it because he got eight. <clears throat> but he's, he's taken home and instead... Of being eaten or being put into a larger cage. This dove is released back into the wild and so it can sing its song again. And so David begins to write a song upon a the Jonath Elam Rokokum. He begins to tell us about his life in parallel. It's as if David is singing prophetically that I might be in bondage right now, but I serve a God that is able to bring me out because he's done it before, and he can do it again. Again, I want to remind you that this was a familiar song of deliverance. Everybody knew about the Jonas Elam or Cochum. Everybody knew uh, that this was a song, uh, that by the end of the song, uh, it's time to crank up the music uh, and shout about what God has done. Uh, and so David, sitting in a prison cell uh, surrounded by 10,000 soldiers. Uh, when he starts writing the song, uh, he doesn't Start crying and complaining, but he starts writing a song that says, I remember every time that God did it before. I remember that every time that God brought me out. I remember every time God paid my bills. I remember every time God healed my body. And if he did it before, he can do it again because he's the saint. He's got the same power. He's got the oh, robot. I'm going to preach to somebody right now that's in a prison cell. I need to tell you tonight. You need to open up your mouth and start singing the songs of deliverance. It might look bad right now, but God can bring you out again. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! I know this is simple, but just let me tell you that. We'll get to the deep preaching here in a minute, but let me just tell you something. If God has ever made a way, you ready? This is deep. He can do it again. I I know you want something that's a little bit more revelatory because when we're in prison, we like stuff that'll wow us and blow us away because it gives us a little hope. It really is as simple as looking back over your life. David, didn't God put Goliath in your hand? Didn't He put the 200 Philistines in your hand? Hasn't He put the lion and the bear in your hand? And I know you're in prison and they're talking about killing you, but God's did this before. God's brought you out before. God made a way before. God opened the door before and he can and he will do it again. I see David. I don't know how you see David in this, but when I start thinking about this song, I see David getting happy. And we know he does. Because when you go to 1 Samuel chapter 21, begin to read what 1 Samuel tells us about the story. It says that when he is called before Achish the king that he changed his behavior before him and feigned himself mad in their hands and scrabbled on the doors of the gate and he let a spittle run down upon his beard. And there's something interesting about this verse here in 1 Samuel that, that I, I didn't get at first glance, Bishop. I had, to, I had to study it a little while and so I began to study this verse and, and go to the original language We look at this text and we see David from Achish's point of view. David feigned himself mad. Achish said, what need have I of a mad man? Well, what's interesting is the way that mad, the word mad is used by Achish, is different than it's used here. He talks of him as mad as crazy. Because that's how we look at David. But when you look at this chapter and verse in the Hebrew text, the word used mad here is only used like this one time in the Bible, and it's the Hebrew word halal, which is one of the words for worship. Ooh, I feel like preaching. And so when Achish looks at him and says he's crazy, and David goes home and tells the story, he said, Achish said I was crazy, but I acted mad. halal in his presence and I get it I know everybody doesn't understand it I get it the Philistines don't understand worship the Philistines don't understand it when you're in prison and you get called out of prison and all of a sudden you start jumping and shouting when you could be walking to your death sentence when the devil says this could be it but you start dancing anyway and you start that's mad, that's crazy maybe it is to the Philistine but David had a revelation that something happens when I begin. Let me preach to somebody right now that just come to church looking for pretty preaching on Tuesday night. You need to get out of pretty preaching mode and get violent with your praise and let the devil know even though I'm in prison, I'll be mad before the Lord. I'll be a halal worshiper. bible to allow praise means to jump and twist you say well it don't really make a lot of sense for y'all to do what you do no can i tell you what it don't make sense for you to do what you do i'm trying to be nice i promise It don't make sense for you to tell me to get up and jump around and spin around in circles. It don't make sense to me for you to sit there and gripe about the problem day in and day out. If David in a prison cell could start singing a song of deliverance and jumping and spinning around and giving God praise, then baby, what's wrong with you? God brought you out before, he'll do it again. Praise him in advance. Psalms 56 I don't know where am I? Psalms 56 and, and, and verse 10. It says he scrabbled on the gates. Now, I would love to know what he wrote, have my own opinions, and, and I, I tend to align with what some philosophers say. And so let me just preach to you what I believe, and if I get out of line, Pastor Bradford will clean up this mess. But he said he scrambled on the tent, on the on the gates, and there are theologians that say it was Psalms fifty-six and ten that he would write on the gates of the city. He's surrounded by enemies, and he says this: "And God will I praise His word; and the Lord will I praise His word." Want to know why? Because His word is forever settled. Because he knew that the word was eternal he knew that you can take me out but you can't take the word out. You can take my life but you can't take the breath out of the life of of the word of God. It's from everlasting to everlasting. So while I'm here at the devil's camp, I I might as well talk about victory for a little bit. Uh, Let me show you what I'm gonna do, devil. In God will I praise his word. He continues, in God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid of what man can do unto me. Akish, you can jump up and down. You can stand on your head. You can threaten. You can do whatever you want to do, but I'm not scared. Of what man can do unto me. Because what? Thy vows are upon me, O God. I will render praises unto you. David simply said, this is why I'm not afraid. Because I've got promises that are on my life. God said I was going to be king, and I ain't king yet. I've got a vow that's upon me. I got a promise on my life, and that promise is that I'll be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. Why can you shout while you're in prison? It's because I know that the prison guard doesn't have the final say, God has the final say. I don't know what you're going through, but I dare somebody on a Tuesday night to stand up and just start singing the songs of deliverance. Start singing about how God made a way. I get it. David said Sing unto the Lord a new song. He said that. But you know when he said that? He said that after he got out of jail. When I'm in jail, I need something I know works. When I'm I'm fixing to get my head chopped off, Pastor Bradford, I want a song that I know every time we sing it, God starts moving. I I love all this new stuff. I I am an advocate for the new music we got. Believe me. But it does something to me. When somebody picks up a songbook and says, Would you be free from your burden of sin? It does something to me when people start singing and it reaches to the highest mountain, flows to the lowest valley. You know what that is for me? That's the dumb dove in a distant land. That's a familiar song of when I was just a boy and I didn't know what to do, but I could hear them old saints singing the songs. And I knew when I started hearing the songs of Zion that something was getting ready to happen. I know the devil's big and bad, but he's not bigger and he's not better than my God that can make a way even where there is He's the old-time God! I wish I had time to preach all of this. I don't. but I, I'm going to try. There are familiar songs in Scripture, 15 of them, for a matter of factly, We're saying every day, Psalms chapter 124. can we put that up there? It begins if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, now may Israel say. See, we think we cool and cute because we got all this call and repeat stuff. We didn't start that. That was, that was way back in, in the Bible days. David started that. He wrote the psalm and said, if it had not been for the Lord, who was on our side, now may Israel say. And then the congregation would stand up and they would repeat What the sons of Korah had just sang. Then they would say, if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, when men rose up against us, listen to this, they had swallowed us up quick. The wrath was kindled against us. Then listen to the typology that David uses here to refer back to what God has done for them. The waters had overwhelmed us. The stream had gone over our soul. Then the proud waters had gone over our soul. David is referring here back to the Red Sea. David is referring to the fact that God's people were trapped. They were the dumb dove. They were in captivity. They had nowhere to go. And Pharaoh's and his army was coming in quick the proud waters were there they had gone over their soul and then he says this blessed be the Lord who hath not given us as prey to their teeth our soul is escaped as a bird He's referring again to the same song as a bird out of the hand of the fowler. The snare is broken and we are escaped. David here is reaching back for Israel and saying, you need to look back to the story that your grandmama told you about how they didn't have anywhere to go, but God made a way and and if he did it before, if he did it before, if he did it before. <laughs> Left on our own, we had nowhere to go. I can't talk about that with, without going back to that moment where Pharaoh, they've, they're coming in hot and the Bible says in Exodus chapter 15 and verse 20, see there's a Bible way to do this, that Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a temple in her hand And she started leading the women, and they went out with timbrels and with dances. I don't believe in all that jumping and shouting and running back and forth that crazy redneck from McNary County's been doing. That's fine. You don't have to believe in what I'm doing, but I believe in what the Bible says, and the Bible says when you've been delivered, act like it. when you've been brought out, act like it. The horse and his rider hath he cast into the sea. I've got something to shout about on a Tuesday night, Pastor Bradford. God I don't know what God did for you but when I look back over my life God has brought me from a mighty 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 long way he's made a way before and I believe he'll make a way again somebody ought to give him praise right now on every side. And what's interesting about this song is they sang it every day. They'd go to church and they would relive the story of how God broke the snare of the fowler. They'd get up on Monday when life hit them between the eyes and they would sing the song that the snare is broken and we are escaped. And I'm I, I no... It's easy usually when you get to church on Tuesday because it's only been one day since you've been to church. But by the time you get back to church on Sunday, you done had to live life. But guess what they sang on Sunday? The same song they've been singing on Saturday. The same song they've been singing on Friday. The same song they've been singing on... You get the picture. Every day they get up on a step. I love this. This, this Solomon's porch do. They get on a step, and they say, the snare is broken, and we are escaped. It don't matter what's going on right now. Because the snare is broken and we are escaped. It doesn't matter how bad my finances are because I, I, I know I don't want to deal with that right now. But right now I'm at the house of God and I'm standing on this step. And when we get to this step, this is the song that we sing. We start singing about how God brought us out. And can I tell you, it's a whole lot harder to focus on your problem when you start focusing on all the times that God brought you out before. It's, oh, help me, Jesus. It's hard to be depressed while you're talking in tongues. Oh, I'm fixing. Oh, Jesus, help me to be nice. I don't want to be mean to anybody, but I'm fixing to hurt somebody's feelings. Uh, It's hard to come to church uh, and get bitter because they said this, or they said that, or I'm not coming back here because the preacher didn't shake my hand and he didn't text me back after three seconds. Uh, You want to know something? Uh, You just need to get in a good Holy Ghost prayer meeting uh, and pray till you pray through to the point uh, that you can look back over your life uh, and realize as bad as it is right now, it could be a lot worse. Uh, I could Still be in bondage. I could still be in chains. I could, but God, but God made a way out of nowhere. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Y'all sit down. I ain't done preaching. I'm just getting started. It's my last night here for a while. I'm I'm, I'm about to stretch out a little bit. Somebody just looked at their watch and said, Oh my God, help us, Jesus. I can't preach about this without thinking about Jehoshaphat. When Moab and Ammon came against Judah, the Bible says that they were surrounded, and when they had consulted with the people, God gave a word. The Bible says that Jehoshaphat, listen to me, appointed singers. Now, just if you would have gotten. God spoke to you and said, praise is going to win this battle. I'm, I'm getting somewhere. Just hold on a second. Well, pastor hasn't asked me to do anything. I don't know why they don't get me to sing. Well, if you were Jehoshaphat and you got a bunch of bad guys with swords that, by the way, they know how to use them. And you are surrounded on every side. And God says, This is going to be won by praise. You pick out the praisers to go out front. Do you think that Pastor Jehoshaphat was going to get somebody that ain't moved in six months? You think Pastor Jehoshaphat would find somebody that all he can get is a head nod every now and again? I think not. You want to know why he picked who he picked? Yeah, I guarantee you what he did is he found the craziest people at church and said, you and you and you and you, you go out front. Because if this don't work, at least we get rid of the crazy folks. Shout, give God praise, and somewhere in the middle of shout, somewhere in the middle of that said God showed up. I don't think you know how powerful your shout is. I don't really think you know how powerful it is when you start singing the songs of how good God has been. I'm hurrying. I'm I'm trying. Get me. You know what? I'm going to skip half of this. Can I I just preach? Can I get to the good part? I'm still not to the good part yet. Let me me get to the good part. Give me Song of Solomon chapter 2. And I see this picture. It's got David. This, 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 this Bible stuff, this gospel, this dominion, the whole idea of what scripture enforces. It's from generation to generation. The Bible tells us that. David is a he's a songwriter. He's, he's probably the most talented man to ever pick up a pen. And that guy would go on to meet his reward. When he does, he has a son. His name is Solomon. And Solomon begins to write a song. Solomon starts writing about the glory and the goodness of God towards his people. If you understand anything at all about the Song of Solomon, you understand it is a love song, and it is to be paralleled to God and His love for His church. And in this song, Solomon the the husbandman begins to show himself. In Song of Solomon, chapter 2 and verse 9, the bride begins to sing. She says, My beloved is like a roe. Young heart, behold, he standeth behind our wall. He looketh forth out the window, showing himself through the lattice. She's just caught a glimpse of what the bridegroom looks like. And remember, this is, this is the song of a son. David, and I, I can just see as Dave, as Solomon is, is getting ready to write this love song, he, he thinks, how, how can I write this song? My daddy was so good. How can I, can I, how can I live up to him? I don't know exactly what it was like, but I, I, I just have to believe it. It went something like this. If you disagree, that's fine. You're entitled to your opinion, but uh, I, I can see Solomon as a baby. He gets, he gets fussy, and, and, and Bathsheba's done all she knows how to do with him, and she. I mean, she's ready to pull her hair out, and she says, David, if you don't take this boy, don't act like you ain't ever said that, sister. One o'clock in the morning, he's still crying. I don't know what to do with him. So David's like, baby, I got to get up at 4.30 in the morning, I got to go to work. And then he catches that eye, and he knows, it don't matter if you're getting up at 4.30 in the morning. You're getting up now. Okay, I'll get him. Gets up, starts walking through the palace. And what do you do when you don't know what else to do with screaming kids? You sing to them. That, do y'all do that in California or is that just a southern thing? You sing to them. I don't know what David sang to Solomon. Something had to be transferred though. Put verse 10 up there. Because now the, the husbandman, the beloved begins to speak. He says, rise up my love, my fair one. come away. Next verse, verse 11. Below, the winter is passed. The rain is over and gone. Verse 12, the flowers appear on the earth. The time of the singing birds is come. And the voice of the turtle is heard in our land. Now, a simple search from Brother Google will tell you that turtles don't talk. How can the voice of the turtle be heard? Because when you go and you find out exactly what this scripture means, Solomon is not literally talking about the turtle. He's talking about the turtle dove. And it is here the embodiment because this woman, this this Shulamite girl has been in bondage. She's, she lets us know. She's been working in the vineyards of her brother. And when the one that's going to rescue her out, that's going to bring her out of the vineyards of her brother shows up and he begins to speak to her, he says, let me tell you what's happening right now. The voice of the turtle dove is being heard in our land. It was Solomon's twist. Solomon's twist on a familiar song uh, that you might be in the vineyard uh, working in slavery for your brethren uh, but can I tell you that there's one that is coming uh, and he will begin to purchase you uh, and when he purchases you uh, and brings you out of this place uh, you're going to have a song to sing uh, that I found the one that can bring me out of my bondage Uh, I found the one that can bring me out of the stuff I'm going to introduce you to somebody tonight Uh, if you're in bondage uh, then there is a man, and his name is Jesus, and he will give you a song that you can sing. I wish I had time to preach about Noah and the dove. I don't have time to preach about that all the way through, but we do know that this dove is released, and when, it, when it's released, it flies around, and it symbolically doesn't show back up for years to come until John is looking. He's looking at the Messiah. As he comes up out of the water and that Messiah, when he comes up, John says, and I saw the spirit descend on him like as of a dove. Now, I want to take you quickly because you can't understand New Testament theology if you don't understand Old Testament theology. And in the Old Testament, we find in the book of Leviticus, chapter 14, if you had leprosy, that you had to come to the house of God after you were cleansed. Once you got, once you got cleansed from this leprosy, you had to come to the house of God and you had to bring two turtle doves. I love this. There's so much Jesus in this, brother. <laughs> And when you got to the house of God, you take one dove and you slay him. The Bible says that Jesus went before them, and when they started asking him questions, he answered them not a word. He was the silent dove. The purpose of that secondary dove you take one dove, you kill him, you slay him, and you take his blood, and you take water. And when you take that blood and water, you wash the second dove with it. And then you return that second dove back into the field. And when we see Jesus hanging on the cross and the centurion comes up, he punctures his side and out comes blood and water. It's as if Leviticus chapter 14 is being played out right before our eyes. One dove was silent. One dove answered them not a word. And the blood and the water washed the secondary dove so that the secondary dove could be released into the field. so that he can sing his song again. I've come to tell you whether you want it to be or not, you are the secondary dove, and when he washes you in the water, and he washes you in the blood, you might have been in leprosy, you might have been in sin, you might have been in captivity, but he releases your mouth to speak. Musicians, help me. If you understand anything about typology, you understand that doves are a type and a shadow of the spirit. What are we going to speak? It's really easy. You go to Acts chapter 2 and you find out where the spirit comes back down and when that spirit comes down uh, there is a noise uh, that comes out of the mouth uh, of the people, the 120 uh, that's in the room. You know what that was, Pastor Bradford? Uh, That was the dumb dove uh, in a distant land. Uh, That was a people that was in bondage spiritually uh, and they were being released Uh, and when they were released uh, they began to sing a song uh, and it sounded like uh, the wonderful works of God. In many languages, when that sound was released, the Spirit was released. There was a song that was initiated and you can still sing it today. That's why people that say talking in tongues isn't anywhere in the Old Testament. Buddy, you haven't read the book of Isaiah. And you sure haven't read any of David's writings because it's there in types and shadows and God is getting ready to reveal it in a day where somebody that's in captivity can begin to sing the songs. He set me free. He set me free. He made a way out of no way. What what are you doing when you're praying in tongues? You're singing a song. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I can see. I have been in captivity. But I've been released <sighs> Little did the devil know On a Tuesday night can, can I tell you The devil don't mind Y'all stand with me I'm done I'm, I'm quitting Not because I want to Because I got to the devil don't mind You come to church You stay in that little box he's got you in. You show up, little dove. You can't say nothing. Been so long since you shouted. Been so long since you gave a hallelujah. You've been coming to church in the box. Can I tell you that somebody bought you with the full intent of breaking the box. You don't have to come to church and walk out them doors the same way you came. You might have walked in depressed, but you can leave with a song in your spirit. You might have come in with all manner of things sitting on your shoulders, but you get to leave leaping and rejoicing and giving God the praise. I don't know what your song is, but I dare you right now in the devil's face, fresh out of prison, start singing your song. Start singing your testimony. Start letting the devil know, I might be in bondage, but God made a way where there is no way. So I'm going to give him praise I'm going to give him glory I'm going to give him thanks Come here, brother on the back I, I don't know your name You ain't got no hair, you're in a gray suit Come here What's his name? Brother Chris, come here, brother Chris Hurry, man Hurry, run well, I, I like this guy. I'm not going to embarrass you, Emma. I hope not. You don't look like the embarrassable type. You know what I see? I love this. We're not glorying in what, what, what sin did. But when I see a man that comes to church, woo, holy God, and, and the tattoos from his past life are showing, you know what I see? When he comes up here around this front and he's jumping up and down and shouting and dancing. I see a bird out of the cage. know what I feel in the Holy Ghost. The devil would love to tell Brother Chris, because of your past life, you can never be like some of the ones in the church. But Brother Chris, the devil's a liar, because it don't matter where you came from. When you came out of the cage, baby, you came out of the cage with no holds, no strings attached. When he set you free, he really set you I wonder if there's any free folk in here tonight that say, I'm nowhere I know where I came from, but I know where I am. And I know I got a song, I know I've got a reason to rejoice. Yeah, 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 come, right now. I dare you to step out of the aisle and sing your song. I dare you right now, the Holy Ghost, give him praise, give him glory, let's do his name. Hey, stop. Stop everything right now. Because there's so many of you that are waiting to see what song they sing before you even start shouting. But David was in a prison cell and he didn't have a band. He didn't have a he didn't have a praise group. He didn't have a lead singer. David sat in a prison cell by himself and said, When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that ain't, I don't need no help praise him now. I don't wait till they start singing. Go ahead and give him praise. Don't wait till you know what's so. Go ahead and give him glory. Go ahead and shout